Let's read Matthew chapter 11. And we're going to start at verse 28, okay? All right. So it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we're going to go on to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. Amen. So the subject for today's message is, why don't you turn to your neighbor? This is probably the only time we will turn to our neighbors today. Tell your neighbor, I'm doing fine. And neither are you. Because you crazy just like me. Amen. Father, we thank you, God, for your word on today. God, help me to deliver this word, God, with clarity and understanding on today, Lord God. We need you, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to see you on today. Father, we need you today. We need you. I thank you that ears are open to hear, Father. We thank you that truth will be um, said today without error. We thank you, Lord God, that the scripture will be opened up, Lord God, to everyone that is ready to listen and embrace your word. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, we pray and give you thanks. Amen. You may be seated. Mm-hmm. I am doing fine, and neither are you, because you crazy just like me. Yes, you are. Amen. We don't want to talk about that too much, but we're going to kind of talk about that today. Amen. I um, didn't come up with this title on my own. I actually, it is a combination of a book that I picked up uh, this Monday, just happened to go into my Kindle Unlimited, uh, you know, subscription, and it popped up as one of the books that I need to read. Amen. I said, okay, well, let me see what this is about. And then the other part of the topic sermon title is um, because you're crazy just like me. It's a part of a song. I don't know if you've ever heard this song before, but it's one of my favorite songs. Yes, it is. It's not a Christian song either. It's by Gnarls Barkley. And it said, I think you're crazy. Anybody knows that song? Uh, I think you're crazy. Just like me. Y'all know that song. 
So, you know, if you look at the words, look that up, Brother Steve. We were talking about that song yesterday, and you said that you didn't know that song. But look it up. It's a cool little song. So I put those two uh, phrases together for, for a reason. So I pray that it unfolds um, as I am talking. Okay. So a week ago, maybe about a week ago, and I need you to lean closely into me today. I really need you not to be... Um, distracted by your phones, or if, you are, if something is consuming your mind today, ask the Lord to help you put it, put it under. Because I really need you to lean into this word with me today. Is that fair? That's fair. Amen. About a week and some change ago, I heard the spirit of the Lord say to me, I need you to do a Facebook live post. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm not usually doing lives so quickly. I know People do them a lot, but I don't do them as frequently um, as others. But I heard the spirit of the Lord to say, say this time, I want you to do this. And so the subject that he gave me to, to talk about on that post was, I see you drowning. I see you drowning. And I took nuggets from Psalm chapter 18 when David penned the psalm, right, and it was born out of his anxiety and his, um, he, he was being uh, chased by his enemies, even Saul. And in the, in the psalm, we see David going through a gamut of emotions. I love David because he's not afraid to show his emotions. He puts it all out there for everybody to see. I love it. Amen. And so as I was talking on the Facebook post the other week, and I, I just went out there and did it, and at the end of the post, I said, if you're feeling as if you are drowning, I want you to message me. Call me if you have my number. Send me a text message. Message me on Facebook. Whatever you have to do, if you feel like today you're drowning, I'm here. And I want to throw a lifeline out to you. I was absolutely amazed at the amount of people who responded to that call. I had people from teenagers to young adults to middle-aged adults to retired people texting me saying, you're talking about me. I'm drowning. You're talking about me. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. Can you help me? And I, I, I was amazed, but yet I should not have been. I should not have been. Because right sitting next to you, don't look to your neighbor, might be somebody that's drowning. But guess what? You'll never know it. You'll never know it. Just to give you an example of some of the people that reached out to me about a week and some change, to, change ago, a teenager who was feeling overwhelmed at school, being bullied, and felt that there was no way out. Another young adult, everywhere she turned, she felt that she was not able to be successful. Failure on every hand wanted a way out. 
a professional and a ministry leader totally depleted and exhausted running every week in the church depleted and exhausted but there's nowhere out and then the last one just on yesterday a young man some of you met him yesterday a former heroin addict just talking I let him talk sometimes we got to let other people talk to see where they are Sometimes we could be quick to give out spiritual advice, but sometimes it's just good to let people talk. He told me of his heroin addiction was, has been clean for about three years and told me why he decided to use that as a drug of choice. I sat and I listened to him saying that, you know, if someone reached out to me before I took my first hit at nine years old. My life would have been different. But I was crying out and nobody saw me drowning. Nobody paid attention enough to see that he was overwhelmed at nine years old. Now, sometimes I'm going to stop talking because I need you to think and salah about what I'm saying. Because you know what? We rub shoulders with people every single day. In our homes. On our jobs. And guess what? Even in the church. Desperate. Hurting. And lonely. We may not even be aware of the dark paths that they are walking. Sometimes, you know what, we notice, but we don't say a thing. You why? Why you say we are self-absorbed. We're only thinking about our little bubbled-in world. We're not thinking about what somebody else may be dealing with. Too busy, preoccupied. Sometimes we're just overwhelmed ourselves and it's not that we, we don't want to reach out to somebody, but we're so overwhelmed in our own minds, it's hard to see somebody else's problems, right? And, and also, to be honest, in many cases, the person who's desperate, hurting, and in pain is myself. Amen. Drowning, not able to see the peaceful shore. Just needing somebody to notice. Hey, look at me over here. Just needing somebody to throw out a lifeline. But you know what? We have our game face perfected, especially in the church. And it's not so much to put on a facade for people. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's, it's because life keeps moving and you can't stop. Life is ever steadily moving, and you got to move with it. There's an old song that says that time keeps on slipping into the future. Mm -hmm. It's like a roller coaster ride, right? Once you get in and they lock that lap bar and that roller coaster is climbing to the top, guess what? It is too late to say, I don't want this trip, right? You got to hold on and pray that you make it to the end. It, right? Am I right? Ain't nothing you can do about life. Life is life and it happens. 
So this means that when you are hurting, right, you don't have time to get help. Life is going on. Too many people are dependent on you, are relying on you to be strong. So you got to keep your game face on. When you are internally bleeding, getting treatment is not an option. Bills got to be paid. Your family got to eat. What time is it to stop? You bleeding all over the place, blood everywhere, but you can't stop. And don't you dare cry. Don't, don't you cry. Suck it up and keep moving. Little does anybody know that you are on the verge of imploding. Violently collapsing from the inside. I want you to think about it because I know that there is somebody in here I'm talking about. You may not want to admit it right now, but I pray that as I go further on in this sermon, that God will liberate you today. You are imploding and nobody knows it. You are feeling like a failure and nobody knows it. Your mind is scattered all over the place and nobody knows it because you have to keep moving. You have to keep moving. You can't stop, Jerome. You got to keep it moving, Elder. People are depending on you. You are reliable. And you know that you're reliable. You go through things that are hidden from everybody, but you can't tell nobody because you don't have time to get bogged down in your own feelings. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, you don't even feel, you, you hurt so bad or the implosion has gotten to such a point that, that it's just, things are just coming apart. It is difficult for you to even say a word. But you know what? I love Jesus and the way Jesus kept it 100. <laughs> 100 he kept it he kept it real as the folks say right he wasn't afraid to show his feelings at any at any given time and it's okay because feelings are okay because you know what we often see Jesus in his divinity in his divinity and this is the way we see him you know you know he is he's fully God but guess what he also is Fully God and fully man. Amen? Amen? Right? And in his humanness, as we read the Bible, we see the man Jesus. Okay? There was a book that we read in uh, class uh, a couple of years ago, and I know Elder Hoskins remembers this book. It's called The Jesus I Never Knew. You remember that? Yeah. By an author, and his name is Philip Yancey. Yancey took the time to show us Jesus as a man. Jesus became relational. He wasn't sitting high and looking low. He became a man. He became relational. He didn't act as if he was void of emotions. That's what we saw in that book. We saw a man named Jesus. We saw a Jew named Jesus that walked the earth and experienced a gambit of feelings just like me. 
It's important that we see Jesus in this light. Of course, yes, he is fully God, but he was also fully man. He came to the earth as a man to be able to experience what we go through. He's not far from us. And the Bible gives us so many different examples of Jesus' humanness. Even Isaiah in chapter 53, Isaiah 53, it says that he was a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. Yes. Matthew 14 shows us Jesus being depleted because he was in ministry, ministering, pouring out, steadily, always pouring, 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 and pouring, and once again, pouring, depleted. I'm talking too loud in the spike, sorry. <laughs> always depleted, not always depleted, but being depleted and exhausted. So what does he do? What does he, do? he finds quietness and pulls away from the people. Yeah, he got exhausted. Yeah. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus became angry and used harsh words, calling the leaders of that time, you hypocrites, you brood of vipers, you fools. You know, he became angry. He became disgusted with the leadership. The same Jesus, God, man, the God, man became angry. Amen. John chapter 2 shows us another part of Jesus' personality. He was disgusted with the financial oppression. And when I read this scripture, it reminded me much of myself. He went to the temple and saw people taking advantage of the people, selling turtle doves and, and sacrifices in the temple. He went in there, he did a charlette. <laughs> Started flipping over tables and turning things over. I've done, who's done that before? I done flipped over an ironing board because I was so angry, <laughs> you know. But it was okay. I was in my feelings at that time. So Jesus experienced that type of disgust. Yeah. John 11 shows us a sorrowful Jesus when Lazarus died. He was sorrowful. That was his friend. He experienced sorrow. Amen. Matthew 9 shows us another type of Jesus. Not another type, but another portion of his personality. A Jesus full of compassion when the people brought a man to him that was uh, paraplegic. And Jesus, full of compassion, healed him. Yeah. A frustrated Jesus. Do you remember the scripture in Matthew chapter 17 when the disciples were unable to cast out the demon in the man's son? You remember that? He says, you unbelieving, perverse generation. How much longer can, do I have to put up with you? Absolutely disgusted. Amen? So we even see a Jesus right before he was arrested feeling the ag agony, you know. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. You know, the Bible says that he sweated blood. You know, he, he, was, he was so in anguish, you know. So we have different facets of feelings that we see Jesus experiencing. So we are in good company. It's all right to feel. Tell yourself, it's all right to feel. That's right. 
It's all right to feel. And not only that, I want to give you a couple of more examples. You know, we see Jesus experiencing a gamut of feelings. We also have other witnesses in the Bible, in the Old Testament. We got Daniel. How do you think Daniel must have felt? You know, when we look at the Old Testament saints, you know, it looks like as if they may have never experienced all anxiety or fear. You know, what do you think Daniel must have felt when he was thrown in that lion's den? Come on now. Come on, let's be honest. Let's put these people in, in a, such a way that we can see that they were human just like us. What about Esther when she found out that everything was placed upon her shoulders? What she decided to do, her obedience to her uncle, could be the life or death of her people. What do you think she felt? What do you think she felt? What about Job, who lost absolutely everything he had? What do you think he felt? Huh? What did Job feel? He, he, he didn't even want his own life. He cursed the day he was born. What about Elijah? He was discouraged. Yeah. He was weary, running from, a, running from Jezebel. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I just want to lay down and die. Right? Real feelings. Real feelings. And what about Jeremiah? He's called the weeping prophet. Always being rejected. Huh? He, had, he, he was always in grief. Always, well, not always in grief, but he experienced grief and depression, loneliness and rejection. Because of the call on his life, the Lord did not allow him to marry or to have children. What in the world do you expect or what do you think he must have felt? You're not the only one is what I'm saying. You are not the only one. And we all know about David, the guilt that he felt, you know, his struggle with sin, right? You know, being chased after by Saul and many other, other of his enemies. You know, we are in good company. Tell yourself it's okay to feel. It's okay to feel. Did you guys remember a commercial? It was a long time ago. It was of this man who was riding a riding lawnmower, right, in this big, beautiful house. I remember what it looks like. He was riding and smiling and waving at his neighbors, looking like he was the perfect picture of success. And then on the inside, he was screaming, somebody help me, I'm drowning in debt. Does anybody remember that commercial? Just, I can't remember what it was promoting, but I always have the image of that in my mind when I think about people who may be drowning and on the outside, everything looks perfect. Now, I'm going to say something at this point that your neighbor right beside you has always wanted to say but they've been afraid to say it because they thought that you would think that they, would, they just lost their marbles. So look at me. Don't look at nobody else. Look at me. But this is what they've been wanting to tell you for a long time. Stop thinking I'm all right. Stop telling me I'm all right. Stop telling me it's going to be all right. I am not all right. Don't tell me I'm going to be all right and leave me there. They've been wanting to tell you that for a long time, but they were afraid. Thank you, babe. They were afraid that you would look at them like they were crazy. Oh, 
They're telling me to tell you, hello. Don't act like I'm invisible. You see me. You see me hurting. You see me pulling away. You see me shutting down. You see me retreating. As a matter of fact, you are part of the reason why I have been retreating. You hurting me. You agitating me. You agitating me. You getting on my nerves. You think you always the one right. I can't even talk to you. You act like you act like I'm the only one crazy, but guess what? You crazy too. You keep talking and I can't even hear you. You ain't saying nothing. I'm tired of hearing your mouth yapping. Now they told me to tell you this, but they didn't want to tell you themselves because they didn't know how you would how you would take it. So I'm I'm telling it for you for them. So look at me. Look at me. I'm tired of praying and ain't nothing happening. You said you praying for me, but as soon as you get off the phone with me, you going back to doing whatever you're doing. You ain't prayed for me. You ain't even willing to stand with me. While I'm on the phone with you, you say, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray for you. Okay, you have a good day. God bless you. And you get off the phone with me, and I'm bleeding all over the place. You talking to me, I can't even hear you. That's what they asked me to tell you today. But they were afraid that you would think that they are crazy. But they're drowning. I'm just saying what I'm saying. We have to start paying attention to the people around us. We give everybody else our attention, but the people closest to us. You know, like I said earlier, there are times when the pain hurts so bad that you can't even, you can't even express it with words. Because you might be saying, well, if you're hurting so bad, why don't you say something? Sometimes I can't even say it. But you see, you see my actions are becoming different than what they were before. Why don't you, why don't you come to me? I know that it's unfair to place the burden all on you. But when I can't talk for myself, when I hurt so much internally, when I am literally imploding from the inside, it's hard for me to put words to my feelings. The probing sometimes hurts so much. I, I, you know, when you try to help me, I might snap back at you. I might. I might just do that, you know. So if I do that, instead of you being offended at me, try to understand where I am. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Instead of saying, oh, well, I'm not going to deal with Minister Smalls anymore, I'll say my name. Instead of saying that and being offended because I snapped at you, ask God, God, I don't know what's going on with Charlotte, but God, nothing is hidden from your eyes. Father, give her what she needs, God. Help her in her time of need, Father. Father, she needs you, Lord God. Why you ain't doing that? 
I need you to survive. No man is an island. You know, and I know sometimes we get good game faces because we don't want people to know. We know, and, it, and this is a stigma on the church because I don't know if you heard this. I don't want to tell anybody in the church because they're going to tell my business. That should not be. Nobody in this church, if someone tells you in confidence something that they're dealing with, you don't have the right to share that information with anyone else. Someone trusted you enough to open up a very hidden place thinking that you're going to allow them to lean on them and then you open up your mouth to someone else that there is unacceptable now I'm not saying that that is happening in this church I'm just saying what I'm saying okay I'm just saying what I'm saying alright so I'm about done here I am about done, but I wanted to bring this to the forefront because people are absolutely hurting. You are hurting. We are hurting. But we need each other to survive. So how do we get past this? Okay. The first step for us who are hurting, and I'm going to put my name in there. I'm going to put me. We're going to say us. Everybody say with me, us. us. That's right. Because I know a lot of things, and that's why we all in this building got to say what word? Us. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. The first thing that we need to do, we, everybody say we. we. Amen. Is to be truthful. Okay? Truthful. Mm -hmm. Be truthful. Mm -hmm. Psalm chapter 51 verse 6 says, Truly you desire truth in my inner man. That's what God wants. He, you know, one thing you cannot do, you might can, you might can fake the funk in front of me. But the one person you cannot fake the funk in front of is God. Recognizing, uh, recognizing and identifying the hurt instead of sweeping it under the rug, this does not make you weak or unable or incapable. It simply lets you know where you are. You need to know where you are. Put a name to what's going on. You need to know what you're dealing with. You know, I don't have a problem with this phrase, and I still, I'll say it. But when I ask you how you doing, and your perfunctory answer to me is what? Blessed and what? We good for that, isn't it? And I understand in calling those things that are not as though they were. And we're supposed to do that. You know, sometimes we have to make a confession to faith 
until it becomes a confession of faith. So sometimes you have to, um, how they say, I just learned this phrase, faith it till you make it. I get that. I do. But if you are raw on the inside and you are internally bleeding and you need help, be honest. Be honest. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Bible says, um, I'm going to read this here. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Right? Don't be humiliated or embarrassed because you have a feeling that you need to process through. Ain't no shame in it. If you're feeling depressed, ain't no shame in it. If you're feeling discouraged, ain't no shame in it. If you're feeling like a failure, ain't no shame in it. If you feel as if you want to take your very life, ain't no shame in it. You have to be okay with not being strong all of the time. I know you're Superman, and I know you're Wonder Woman. I, I know the things that you feel you have to live up to. I understand. I, you know, I felt the same pressure. You know, no, no one expects Charlotte to be vulnerable or insecure. No one knows what I'm feeling right now standing in front of you. You don't know, but ain't no shame in it. Amen. The Bible says that, that God is near to the brokenhearted and to those who are crushed in their spirit. So I want to encourage you today, like Psalm 18 says, down in the psalm it says that God reached down and took hold of me and he set me up and pulled me out of the overwhelming waters. Out of the deep waters. You, my friend, you are, you are going to have to be okay with letting the Lord draw you out of the deep waters. You can't fight it. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you fight, you're going to drown. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? If you fight the help of the Lord, you are going to drown. Y'all hear me? I don't want anybody in this room drown, drowning. And anybody that may be listening on Facebook Live today, we don't want you to drown. You don't have to drown. Now you may ask, why is it that I have to go through what I'm going through? That's the million dollar question. I don't have the answer. I'm not going to sit here and make up some nice spiritual answer for you. I don't have the answer. 
But I do know that it rains on the just as well as the unjust. I do know that we look through a glass that is darkened right now. But one thing is for certain, God said that he would never leave you. Neither will he forsake you. Nothing is going to be able, able to separate you from the love of God. Now that, I know is true. I don't know why your life or your pathway has taken this route. I don't know. But God knows because nothing catches God by surprise. God never is caught by surprise. Are y'all listening? Nobody on the cell phone playing yet? Praise the Lord. Because I'm just about done here. I want to encourage you. You need to hold on. You need to let us help you. Let me help you. Let the person next to you help you. Let somebody help you. Let somebody know that you are not feeling okay. Let somebody know. Are we our brother's keeper? Absolutely yes. We are our brother's keeper. And you don't have to drown. You don't have to drown because you know what happened? Over 2,000 years ago. Over 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus to die on the cross to save you from your sin and to give you the liberty you need. You just got to embrace it and accept it. And accept the help that God has placed around you. Accept the help. There is a phrase that a dear friend of mine who's a pastor out in California has coined and is called the continuation of care. After today, and someone confides in you about what's going on with them, it is your responsibility to keep up with that person. You can't stand on the shore and see them struggling in the water after today and saying, hey, come to your left. I see some sharks behind you. Don't go backwards. Come forward. You got to be willing to go out in the deep and help. Not one day, not the second day, not the third day, but as long as it takes. We got to do it. We have not been doing that. We've been leaving people on the operating table bleeding to death. But just as Jesus showed compassion and mercy, he has called us to do the very same thing. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. I'm done. 